Hello, food nerds. Welcome back to another episode of Literally Delicious. This is Nick, and on this week's episode, we are going to be making chocolate eclairs from Virginia Woolf's Mrs. Dalloway. Mrs. Dalloway was published in 1925. In fact, on May 14th, which uh, at the time of this recording was uh, the very same weekend. So happy anniversary, Mrs. Dalloway. If uh, you are looking forward to Mrs. Dalloway Day, you still have a month to perfect this recipe because Mrs. Dalloway is set roughly in the middle of June. Some say it's June 13th, others say June 14th, where Mrs. Clarissa Dalloway is hosting a party. And uh, a whole assortment of interesting characters are going to join her during that party. So we'll talk about them and we'll talk about why of the different foods that are mentioned in the book. We are focusing on chocolate eclairs today. So thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you all have had a great week and that you're looking forward to some more food fun here today. As always, at the top of every episode, I mentioned that if you want to recommend a dish or a book for us to take a look at, just send us an email at literallydelishpod at gmail.com. Of course, you could reach out to us over Instagram. We love when you all comment on our posts and whenever you go there to see the recipes and the photos from the different dishes that we make on the podcast. So I think that just about covers everything at the top of the episode here. Let's get into talking about Virginia Woolf's Mrs. Dalloway. So as I mentioned, Mrs. Dalloway is throwing a party and the book takes place over the course of the day of her party between the different preparations, unexpected visitors, different luncheons, and one or two shopping trips along the way. So why are we going to talk about chocolate eclairs on today's episode? Where do the chocolate eclairs come from? Well, uh, at one point of our novel here, we see Clarissa is at home with her daughter Elizabeth, and her husband Richard comes back home and greets her, and she mentions that Elizabeth is upstairs right now with Miss Doris Kielman, who is Elizabeth's history teacher. Miss Kielman was a history graduate a college graduate, that is, and she was herself a history teacher until her role was terminated because she is of German heritage. And so I should explain that the novel takes place after World War I, where in London, where the novel is set, there is a lot of anti-German rhetoric and anti-German protest going around. So this explains why Miss Kielman has been uh, terminated from her teaching position. However, Clarissa Dalloway and Richard Dalloway hire her as Elizabeth's private tutor. Another important detail about Mrs. Uh, Kielman's identity is that she is also a born-again Christian, having uh, taken up the faith about two or three years before the beginning of the setting of the novel. And this is another area of contention between Clarissa Dalloway and Miss Kielman, who, and Virginia Woolf doesn't mince any words about this, absolutely hate each other. And so shortly after lunch, Richard Dalloway and Clarissa sit down to talk, and Clarissa says that 
nothing more nauseating could she conceive than prayer at this hour with that woman talking about Mrs. Kielman. And she says that Kielman arrives just as we've done lunched, lunch, and Elizabeth turns pink. They shut themselves up. I suppose they're praying. So there is, I think we can see a lot of contentious, like a contentious atmosphere between Clarissa Dalloway and Miss Kielman. The physical description of Miss Kielman is also quite interesting as it's a definite contrast between the fineries that the Dalloways own and the Macintosh that the uh, Miss Kielman is wearing because uh, she doesn't really care the way that she looks in front of other people. But at any rate, she and Elizabeth are going now to go shopping at the Army-Navy stores in London. And these Army-Navy stores are um, like a uh, department store, which originated as uh, an outpost for military officers and their families to get their goods. So Elizabeth Dalloway and Miss Kielman are at the department store, and they stopped for a cup of tea and a snack. And so this is where our chocolate eclairs come in in the story. And I really appreciated as I was reading Mrs. Dalloway over again, the first time I'd read this book, I think I was an undergrad, and then I read it again in graduate school. And each time, I think that I kind of got a little bit weary of it. Um, But as I took a look at this from a food perspective, I found that by looking at food, you can get a really interesting, perhaps satirical insight into what Virginia Woolf thought about characters like Clarissa Dalloway. So, uh, Miss Kielman, she really loves to eat. She says that it is one of the passions of her life, and I could not agree more. But to Elizabeth, her manner of eating is something that she looks down upon, saying that, quote, her way of eating, eating with intensity, then looking again and again at a plate of sugared cakes on the table next to them, was something that uh, Elizabeth just didn't understand. And uh, it is a point of, I think, even more contention between the Dalloways and Miss Kielman. Elizabeth continues that to Miss Kielman, she was always very, very nice, but she squashed the flowers all in a bunch and hadn't any small talk. And when interested, Miss, and what interested Miss Kielman bored her mother and Miss Kielman and she were terrible together. And Miss Kielman swelled and looked very plain, but Miss Kielman was frightfully clever. Elizabeth had never thought about the poor. They lived with everything they wanted. Her mother had breakfast in bed every day. One of the uh, servants carried it up to her. So I think that in that quote that I just read, we see uh, Elizabeth's perspective on class informed by her upbringing of being upper class like her mother. So as Elizabeth is thinking all of this about Miss Kielman, she would really like to go and get out of the, the department store as it is a little bit stuffy for her. And as she goes to get up, Miss Kielman says, I'm not quite finished yet. She has a couple bites left of her eclair. And she, quote, was fingering the last two inches of her chocolate eclair, then swallowed down the last inches of the eclair, then wiped her fingers and washed the tea round her cup. So Miss Kielman definitely enjoys her chocolate eclair, but at this point, Elizabeth has really had enough. She is, quote, repulsed by watching Miss Kielman eat. She pays, gets up, and leaves, and Miss Kielman 
follows after her saying, don't forget me, though, unfortunately, as Elizabeth leaves and goes on the bus back to her house, Miss Kielman gets uh, lost and is pretty much lost to the reader for the rest of the book, not being mentioned again. So why did Virginia Woolf go into this little moment with the chocolate eclair? I think it was to perhaps contrast the way that the more poor people uh, enjoyed their food and really liked to eat versus what the high society figures like Clarissa Dalloway did with food, using it as a way to show their conspicuous consumption, to show the amount of money that they have. And there's not a moment about the conspicuous creation and eating of food that shows this point better than Lady Bruton's lunch. So as we turn to Lady Bruton's lunch, let me give you a little bit of context here. Earlier in the day, Richard Dalloway had been invited to lunch with Lady Bruton, though Clarissa Dalloway was not invited. And this makes Mrs. Dalloway very mad. However, we learn that this was only so because this lunch is a ruse of sorts to get uh, Richard Dalloway and Hugh Whitbread, who is uh, another high society person who is known to write a lot of letters to the London Times, and that's exactly what Lady Bruton wants. She wants Richard Dalloway and Hugh Whitbread to come together to write a letter on her behalf to the Times for a something that she wants from the Times. So, with the idea of this luncheon being uh, a total setup to get these men and there to hear her pitch this letter she wants to write, uh, Virginia Woolf describes that meal as follows. It was voluntary with glass and silver, little mats, saucers of red fruit, films of brown cream, masked turbot, and casseroles, severed chickens swim, colored, undomestic, the fire burns, and with the wine and the coffee rise jocund visions before musing eyes. So nothing really about this lunch sounds super appetizing to me between the description of the brown cream mask turbot, which in other words is a, a fish in a brown gravy, though uh, I think it's interesting that the cream seems to mask the turbot here and how the chickens in severed pieces swim around in a casserole. I should mention also that there's souffle for dessert. And I came across this really interesting article in one of the major journals for Virginia Woolf Studies by uh, Molly Hoff, who says that this lunch really emulates and takes after a lot of other parodies of lunches from classical literature and how the turbot was a fish that was so huge that its, its comical size just meant to amplify the absurdity of and the sort of expensiveness of serving a huge fish. Uh, souffle is served for dessert, and souffle is very puffy, and so the puffiness of the souffle models after the sort of um, inflation of these characters' egos, and I thought that was a really clever reading of how to the high society figures in the text, eating and having these lunches and dinners is really just a way of showing off their wealth. 
Uh, Hugh Whitbread doesn't seem to mind, however, and he uh, takes heartily from the casserole and digs right into his souffle. But at the same time, Virginia Woolf characterizes Hugh Whitbread as sort of a vain and surface-level character. So I think it makes sense that Hugh Whitbread would enjoy the lunch that Lady Bruton served for uh, them at, at this luncheon. And the very last thing that I wanted to say about Lady Bruton's luncheon, which many claim is one of the best set pieces in the novel as it comes to Virginia Woolf's satire about the high society, is how Lady Bruton in the first place kept saying how the food was not paid for, that the food was made by herself or made by one of her uh, white-capped maids that are uh, described as being present during the lunch. But it seems like just the fact that the host of this lunch sort of explains that the things weren't paid for makes it seem even more likely that they were paid for, which, again, justifies this reading of the lunch as being just a sign of one's wealth and not actually about the enjoyment of eating the food, which is so very unlike Miss Keelman's enjoying of her chocolate eclair. And so that's why in today's episode, I thought I'd take the time to make some chocolate eclairs and really, I think, by showing you my struggle, because if you've listened to this podcast ever at one time before where I baked anything, uh, you'll know that I don't enjoy baking. I'd rather buy my chocolate eclairs out like the characters in the novel do, but um, just to give you the sense of the kind of labor that goes into a chocolate eclair, and so maybe you'll have a chocolate eclair recipe to go to on Mrs. Dalloway Day here in about a month. I will take you now into the kitchen and make chocolate eclairs like the kind that Elizabeth Dalloway and Miss Keelman have in the novel Mrs. Dalloway. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and without further ado, let's head to the kitchen. Why just read it when you can eat it? Hello, food nerds. This is Nick, and welcome back into the kitchen. Today, we are going to be making chocolate eclairs from Virginia Woolf's Mrs. Dalloway. So before we begin, a little disclaimer, you should definitely go to the Instagram at literally delish pod to make sure that you've gathered all of your ingredients, which there is a quite hefty list of ingredients for this recipe before you begin uh, so that you can be prepared and organized and that you're not searching for ingredients whenever you are working on one of the more uh, time-sensitive time uh, steps in the process of baking a chocolate eclair, of which there are quite a few time-sensitive processes here. Starting with boiling two cups of milk in uh, a vanilla bean that I've cut in half. So I'm just bringing that to a boil and taking it off the boil and letting the vanilla bean steep for about 15 minutes. And that's also going to allow the milk to cool off a little bit so that we can add it to the rest of our ingredients of our custard. So to explain, a chocolate eclair is composed of a choux pastry, which is like a very nice fluffy French pastry with some cream in the middle, in this case a custard, and then a chocolate glaze on the top. There are a lot of different varieties of eclairs, 
can have uh, chocolate cream in the middle. You could skip the chocolate glaze on the outside and put uh, just confectioner's sugar over top. However you like your eclair, the pastry and uh, the cream recipe could be used in a variety of ways. So let's get started. I have six egg yolks in a bowl. I'm going to add to it two-thirds cups of white sugar, and I'm going to whisk that together until it creates a nice smooth consistency. I'm going to be using my hand mixer here for this, so I'm going to step away from the microphone uh, so as to save y'all's ears as I whisk these together. Here goes. So once all of the lumps are gone, I'm going to add into the bowl cornstarch of about a quarter cup. Actually, exactly a quarter cup. You want to measure exactly food nerds whenever you're baking, and that's one of the reasons why I don't like baking so much. Not in that I can't measure it, but that I usually just eyeball a lot of things whenever I'm cooking. So baking, can't really eyeball, need to be exact. So add your cornstarch in and whisk until you don't see any more lumps. You should start if you're going to use a hand mixer on a low speed because the cornstarch will just end up everywhere if you don't. There you go, a little pro tip also. I just made the mistake of starting my hand mixer at the full blast and now I am covered in cornstarch. Okay, so there is the first part of the cream done. I'm going to add to it now just a quarter cup of the warm milk and vanilla uh, mixture that we've got over here. Adding just a quarter cup to start because I'm doing what's called tempering the mixture. Um, adding a little bit of hot liquid to the cold liquid just at first uh, rather than adding all of the liquid in at once, which would lead to uh, the heat causing the eggs to scramble and that would cause sweet scrambled eggs, and that just doesn't sound very delicious at all. So just a little bit of the milk goes in, and then combine that together. Okay, and then you're good to add the rest of the milk mixture. You're going to want to save your saucepan because we need to put this uh, mixture back on the heat. Okay, that looks very nice here. Going to move my hand mixer off to the side and put my saucepan back on the stove over a medium-high heat. I'm going to strain my uh, cream mixture. 
back into the saucepan. That is going to just capture any vanilla pods that are left over or any kind of solid egg parts created by the uh, mixing of the cream. Okay, so we want to just stir this pastry cream constantly until it begins to boil and it thickens. And uh, that should take us probably about five minutes here. In the meantime, food nerds, go to at literally delish pod on Instagram and let us know what your favorite kind of French patisserie is. My uh, personal favorite, of course, is the um, chocolate eclair, actually, but I also like uh, the cream puff. So let us know what your favorite kind of French pastry is while I stir together my pastry cream. Be right back. Okay, food nerds, I have uh, continually stirred my uh, custard here until it started to boil slowly and it's gotten nice and thick. And I, when I pull it up, it drips down slowly from my whisk. I'm going to add into this now a tablespoon of cold butter. And then stir that in. And then we're going to let this cool. So I should say that the entire process of making the eclair from start to finish after you've let everything cool can take about four hours or so. So I am making my custard the day ahead and I'm going to put my pastry together uh, one day in advance as well and then bake it all together tomorrow. So you might make all the other things in advance and then kind of put them together like I am doing. You want to make sure that as soon as your pastry, as soon as your custard, I should say, comes to a boil, you want to take that off the heat right away so that you don't end up with uh, scrambled eggs. That looks really nice. Okay, I'm going to move this over here to my counter and then get started on the pastry. Okay, so the pastry I'm making is called a shoe pastry and it's meant to fluff up in the oven and create like a little dome around the pastry. Uh, so it's crunchy on the outside and nice and fluffy in the middle. So whenever you make your uh, pastry dough, if you're going to bake it all on the same day, you'll want to preheat your oven to 425 ahead of time and line a sheet pan with some parchment paper. I'm going to take a large saucepan and bring to a boil uh, one cup of water and a whole stick of unsalted butter. I'm going to add to it a half a teaspoon of salt and one and a half teaspoons of sugar. Okay, there we go. So while that comes to a boil, I will take a little break here and gather the remainder of my ingredients for the pastry, which includes a cup of all-purpose flour and three eggs to start. I'm going to keep another on hand just in case we need it to loosen up the pastry dough a little bit. So. I'm going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere as we make our shoe pastry. Okay, food nerds, once your water, butter, sugar, and salt mixture comes to a boil, 
immediately take it off there. Grab yourself a spoon because you're gonna be doing a lot of stirring. Okay, so I'm going to add all of the one cup of flour at once here and stir vigorously for about a minute. Really combining those things together in here. So while I'm stirring this up, let me tell you what I did with the custard. I covered it with a layer of plastic wrap and made sure that the plastic wrap was right on top of the custard so as to avoid any sort of film forming on top of it. And then I put that in the fridge and I'm going to use that tomorrow. So we got the beginning of our shoe pastry. Started here, I've stirred the flour in, it's formed a nice smooth kind of ball at the bottom of my pan. I'm gonna scrape the sides here. Okay, now after 30 seconds here, I'm gonna put the bowl back onto the heat and scrape the sides of it. So I'm gonna continue to let that cook for about another 30 seconds. Stirring all the while. And right now what I'm just doing is cooking out the flour so that the final product tastes like a dough and not like a floury mess. Okay, taking that off the heat again and I'm gonna move it over to a bowl on the attachment of a stand mixer if you've got one. If you're like me and you don't have the kind of money right now to get a stand mixer, you're going to put this into a bowl and get out your handy dandy hand mixer. So the beginning of my shoe pastry is in the mixer. So I'm going to start mixing on a medium speed and then adding in my eggs one at a time. Making sure that at the addition of each egg, I scrape down the side of my bowl, making sure that it's all really well incorporated. Okay, I'm gonna start mixing this at first. Okay, and I just wanted to do that to make sure that it was a little bit cooler before I added my eggs in. As I said, this is my first time making a shoe pastry, so to me, the pastry kind of has the look and almost the smell. It's nutty, kind of smells a little bit and looks a little bit like mashed potatoes here. Okay, so I am going to add my eggs in one at a time, mixing them well and scraping the bowl after each addition. And I will check back in with you after I do that, food nerds, this is kind of a, a whole brain operation here. I don't want to mess any part of this up. So I'll let you know what the finished product looks like here in just a moment. Stay tuned. Okay, food nerds, I've beaten in my three eggs to the mixture, and I want to stop here just to make note of something. Your dough should be thick, but still thin enough so that whenever you lift the beater out of the bowl, the dough steadily but slowly falls back down into the bowl. So what I'm seeing here after my three eggs, and 
It might just be, you know, the flour that I was using could suck up a lot of the egg. Um, I've got all of my ingredients really well at room temperature, so that's important to mention as well. You always want to make sure that when you're baking, you keep your ingredients at room temperature, unless otherwise specified, like the cold butter that we added to the uh, custard. So uh, I'm going to add my fourth egg here now and add that and mix it in. And then we should have the consistency that we are looking for for our shoe pastry. Okay, be right back. Well, food nerds, that one extra egg was all that it took to turn our dough into the kind of consistency that you're looking for. It's now falling off of the beaters. So uh, I'm gonna let this sit here for a moment while I get my pastry bag ready. So if you're like me and you can't find pastry bags, I'm going to use a gallon size storage bag and I'm going to get a, a tall pitcher, kind of push the bag down into the pitcher a little bit and open up the top. And so that's going to help me uh, spoon all of this dough as efficiently as possible into the pastry bag. So make sure that you set up your pastry bag before you start putting your dough in. Try to push that bag down as far as you can and like push the edges of the bag, so to speak, over the top. I'll take a picture of this and put it on the Instagram so that you can see how I did it. Okay, so your dough goes into the bag and then that dough can go into the fridge for up to two days. So you can make a whole bunch of pastry dough if your heart desired, <laughs> or you can do as I'm doing, make all the different separate ingredients for the eclairs before you bake them all off the next day. So the dough is gonna be thick and sticky, so I'm going to just take a spatula and push my dough down into my bag. Okay, the only last thing that we have to do here is create the glaze. So we're gonna make the chocolate glaze here in a moment. You're going to want to get out for that a half a cup of heavy cream and four ounces of semi-sweet chocolate. Choose a good chocolate here, a chocolate that you like, uh, so that you enjoy the final taste of your glaze. Okay, all of my dough now is in my bag. I'm going to zip it up and put that off to the, into the fridge with my custard and get ready for baking this all off tomorrow. So I've got my cream in a microwave safe bowl. I'm gonna take a little shortcut route here to making the glaze. I'm gonna microwave the cream for a minute. So at minute intervals until it starts to boil. Then in another bowl, I'm going to put my chocolate pieces broken up. So what's going to happen is I'll add the cream into the chocolate bowl and then I'll stir it all up just until the chocolate and the cream all kind of melt together. Should take just about a minute. All right, that looks really good. It smells delicious. I'm just stirring up my chocolate in my heavy cream until the chocolate's just melted. And then I'm going to put this off into the fridge covered in some plastic wrap 
until we are ready to use it tomorrow to create a glaze for our chocolate eclairs. So this is all for day one in the kitchen for chocolate eclairs from Virginia Wolf's Mrs. Dalloway. I'll be back in the kitchen tomorrow to bake the eclairs, fill them, and to glaze them with this lovely chocolate that I've just made. Okay? So I'll see you all in 24 podcast hours. Hello, new nerds. 24 hours have passed, although it's only seemed about a few podcast seconds. And we're back in the kitchen, and we're ready to bake some eclairs. So, uh, to prepare for the baking of the eclairs, I got out all of my ingredients from the refrigerator about 30 minutes ahead of time to let them come closer to room temperature so that they'd bake more evenly. And then I preheated my oven to 425 degrees. So the next thing I'm going to do is take my pastry bag of uh, shoe pastry and I'm going to create a one inch opening. If you've got a pastry bag already, then put on a large plain tip. I'm going to kind of twist it up and then on a parchment lined baking sheet, I'm going to kind of create here what it says in my recipe should be eight to 10 jumbo hot dog uh, shaped eclairs. So it's a great thing that this recipe knows how much I love hot dogs and that that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so that's exactly what I'm gonna do here. I'm gonna pipe them out. That looks good. I'm gonna just twist off each one might need a knife here to kind of break off the clairs once you put them into the uh, parchment line sheet. Okay, so that's one done. I'm going to do, well, I hope to do seven more, but as these things go, I never quite get the recommended amount. I always end up getting less because I make things too big. But I'm going to make six or seven more, I hope, of these eclair pastries. And then we're gonna pop them into the oven at 425 for, lost my place here in my recipe, 15 minutes. Then we're going to reduce the heat down to 375 and baked until puffed up. So don't go anywhere. We're gonna make some eclairs in just a moment. So there's one more thing about the eclair pastry that I forgot to mention, it's an egg wash. So you're gonna to want to whip together in a bowl, one egg and about a teaspoon of water, and then brush the egg wash on the outside of the eclairs, obviously. Brushing it on the inside would be kind of weird. Uh, as you do so, if you see any sharp, pointy parts from your piping, you're gonna wanna flatten those down with your finger so that you don't have jagged eclairs as your final product. So just a really light layer of egg wash going on the outside here and then we're gonna put them into the 425 degree oven. It's almost like I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. And have I mentioned that I've never made eclairs before? So thanks for bearing with me here, food nerds. I'm sure these are gonna turn out delicious anyway. The pastry already looks so good. So stay right there. We're gonna go put these eclairs in the oven. So our eclairs are in the oven and while they bake, we can move our custard over to a piping bag and start thinking about filling. So our custard has been sitting in the fridge 
for 24 hours now with a little plastic film on the surface so that it doesn't create a skin on the outside, which just sounds gross. Um, so what I'm going to do now, and it's already set up as it sat in the fridge, what I'm going to do now is ensure a nice uniform consistency of the custard as I put it into the piping bag. So over a pitcher, I set a fine mesh sieve and the pastry bag is uh, folded over the outside of the pitcher just in the same way that you did it for the uh, shoe pastry. And I'm going to put small amounts of the custard in the sieve and push it through and it'll fall then to the bottom of the pastry bag. And uh, it's gonna take me a little bit to do it, but I think that the final product's texture is going to be uh, a lot better. So if you elect to take this extra step, food nerds, I think that your patience will definitely be rewarded with a better, finer texture custard at the end. So I'm gonna do that as our eclairs bake, and then I'm gonna tell you about how to assemble them all together. Get excited, here we go. It's almost eclair time. Hey food nerd, just checking in with a friendly reminder to lower your oven down to 375 after 15 minutes of baking at 425 degrees. At after those 15 minutes at 425, you'll see that the eclairs have puffed up nicely. Mine uh, look like they are going to be massive numbers. Of course, I only was able to create seven eclairs out of the mix that called for eight to 10. So we're gonna be ready here to eat some ginormous eclairs in just a moment. So. Lower your ovens down to 375 and let it coast for 25 more minutes. All right, food nerds, the 25 minute cook time is up and I've taken the pastry out of the oven. It's GBD, golden brown and delicious on the outside and very light and fluffy. They puffed up quite nicely here. Uh, I'm gonna tap on the outside in the microphone so you can hear just how crisp the outside is. So uh, they look divine and they smell very nice, eggy, and uh, they smell like they are going to be just the best. So very happy with how these turned out. I'm gonna let these cool completely on uh, the same baking sheet. I've moved it off the oven and that is going to make sure that whenever we uh, put the glaze on top of these and whenever we fill them, is not just going to be one runny mess. So while these cool off, let's talk about your chocolate glaze that you're making. So if you have been following this episode, you'll know that I made the chocolate glaze yesterday and let it cool in the fridge overnight. And it actually turned into a really delicious chocolate ganache. And I know it's super delicious because I ate a spoonful of it. So shh, that'll be our little secret. Um, but I'm going to microwave that ganache and return it to its liquid form. And I'm gonna microwave it at 30 second intervals and just keep stirring, making sure that I don't burn anything. Um, if you're gonna make it right as you are waiting for your eclairs to cool, it's just four ounces of semi-sweet chocolate and a half a cup of heavy cream. Heat up your heavy cream. I just heat mine for a minute in the microwave and then pour it over the chocolate and stir it up until it's a smooth consistency. So as you make your chocolate, let your eclairs cool, and then we're going to fill them and glaze them whenever we come back from this short break. 
All right, food nerds, the pastry has had time to cool completely and I've sliced it in half using a serrated knife. I put the bottom portions of the pastry on my serving dish and I got my pastry bag full of the custard here. I've cut a one centimeter opening in it uh, or if you're using official pastry bags, that's about like a, a medium size, just plain tip opening. And I'm gonna pipe a generous amount of pastry onto the bottoms of each eclair. Yummy. All right. And then I got my chocolate nearby because I am going to glaze the top section with the chocolate ganache. So the custard runs out very nice and smooth. I'm trying my best to make it look nice and pretty, kind of making it in a swirling pattern. You may find that the recipe has some leftover custard for you. So don't let that go to waste. Enjoy that. Mm. Just took a taste of it. Nice and sweet and smooth. I'm gonna get the top halves of my uh, eclair pastry. And I'm just going to, hmm, let's see here. I'm gonna just take a spoon for the ganache and just kind of lay it nicely over the top of the pastry. Letting the excess kind of drip off a little bit and then placing it on top of the eclair. The hardest part about doing this is trying to remember which top goes with which bottom so that you can make it look nice and pretty. Although you're going to want to eat these right away, avoid that temptation, okay? And put these back into the fridge for a whole hour so that the pastry filling can set a little bit and so that the ganache at the top can harden just a bit, okay? So I know it's been such a long process and you have to wait a whole other hour to eat your delicious pastry, but your patience will be rewarded, food nerds. Okay, I'm going to finish topping these eclairs with their chocolates, and I will talk to you all in a minute for some tasting. All right, food nerds, it's time to taste. Guess who's here? It's me. It's Gab. <laughs> All right, Gab, are you excited to taste some eclairs? I'm super excited. I've been waiting all night for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's supposed to be a midday tea time snack, but it's now 9 p.m. <laughs> so, I uh, brought you some flowers, you see. Ooh, I did. They're you know, very pretty. What the significance of roses is, if we're doing Mrs. Dalloway? No. It's just that, I mean, there's flowers literally every single page of the book, but... Oh. I mean, I hated Rick. that book, so. <laughs> okay. But I'm excited for this dish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're at <laughs> what, what could be bad about that? But Richard Dalloway brings Clarissa Dalloway roses at mm -hmm. one point. But he can't say I love you. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't said it in so long. Mm-hmm. Rough, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't usually show love through flowers. I like to show love through food. So here you go. This is a chocolate eclair from Mrs. Dalloway. Okay, I'm ready to get my hands on this. Yeah, and you're gonna get your fingers very, very dirty. Okay. Eclair, cheers. Cheers. 
That slaps. Mm. That's so good. Yummy chocolate sauce. The cream is nice and light, actually. The cream is super light, and as you are not a French chef, I was worried about the intensity of the eclairs, <laughs> but they're really light and fluffy. Fluffy af, right? Mm-hmm. Yum. And they're oozing all over the place. I know. We're never going to sleep tonight. <laughs> I'm going to take down the last couple inches of my eclair here and sign off. This might be one of my favorite recipes on the pod yet. Is it literally delicious? It is literally delish. Mm. And then you got tea here as well. Mm-hmm. Because this was taken during tea time. These don't strike me as like a tea snack. Like they're such a dessert. I know. It was kind of like an odd thing to make reference to, but it's literally the only reference to food in the book mm -hmm. that was actually enjoyed. What and then not ironically. Oh. Like the Miss Kilman who is eating this with Elizabeth Dalloway, mm -hmm. who's Clarissa Dalloway's daughter, like just like goes hard on the eclair. <laughs> <laughs> she loves it. Uh-huh. And um all the other characters because she's like a little bit more like working class than the other characters mm -hmm. and she enjoys her food and the other characters they just like cook and eat as a sign of their class like mm -hmm. making I wonder what this would sound like to you turbot which is like a large fish nope. and a brown gravy nope nope it's a no I would starve what about <laughs> what about chickens severed, stewed, swimming in no. casserole? If it's not a chicken breast, finely or thinly <laughs> pounded and <laughs> grilled to perfection, no way. <laughs> also, anything that has the word casserole in it, you're just like yeah, anything that says allergic. casserole. <laughs> I'm not from the Midwest. I'm sorry. <laughs> you go to a dinner party and you say, "Sorry, I'm allergic to casserole." <laughs> There's just something about a casserole that just doesn't strike me right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because I didn't grow up eating it, but like chicken pot pies, casseroles, sweet potato casserole, it's just never been my thing. What about eclairs? I like eclairs, but eclairs aren't casseroles. <laughs> I was just trying to segue us back to the eclair okay. and get ready to sign off, food nerds. This has been fun. This has been fun. Never I can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Ooh, one quick thing, Gab. I asked earlier on in the episode what the food nerd's favorite kind of French pastry was. Mm -hmm. Would you like to weigh in? Ooh. Put you on the spot. I mean, I want to say an eclair. That's what I said, too. Like, I'm trying to think. I don't like croissants, which I know makes me persona non grata or whatever. <laughs> Croissants are the croissants technically French pastry. They have like a funny name that I never know how to pronounce. It's like Vienna. What other French pastries are there? I'm blanking right now. I'm trying to figure out how think... to pronounce the technical term for a croissant. But anyway. what other French pastries are there? I'm doing Just a quick blanking. Google search. I'm blanking right now. Like. Napoleons, um... I like Napoleons. Madeline. Oh, Madeline's might be my top. There's like a cookie. That's not a pastry. Mm-hmm. Mm, 
Well, a lot of things I can't pronounce. What about a brioche? I don't really like brioche. What about a croquembouche? Oh, is that that that's cake that's like a Yeah, just like cream. It's like cream puffs built up into a tower. Oh, I think I would duck up a croquembouche. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, macarons. Macarons might be my favorite. I might switch my answer from the clear. You don't even like macarons. macarons. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. <laughs> While we settle this debate, food nerds, well, let me tell you about um, next week's episode. Wait, before he tells you about stuff you actually care about, in the comments below, comment your favorite French pastry. Absolutely. And why? Absolutely. Okay, back to you. Next week's episode, it's going to be a couple days late, and I'll be making some more pastry, but not a sweet pastry. And that's all I can say about next week's episode. So sorry, that is going to be a couple days late. Why is it going to be a couple days late? Because Does he have I have a job. Have a job. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, food nerds. We'll try to do better next time. I've been Nick. And I'm Gabby. And. Thank you so much for listening today. What should they do, Gab? Stay hungry, y'all. Stay hungry, food nerds. Mm-hmm.